Welcome to Dice Camera Action in Audio Form. I'm Greg Tito, host of Dragon Talk. Chris Perkins is the dungeon master for the amazing group of adventurers known as the Waffle Crew. They've been broadcasting on twitch.tv slash dnd at 4 p.m. Pacific time every Tuesday for a while, but we wanted to give fans who prefer to listen in audio form a way to follow their adventures. We're going back to the start of the Waffle Crew's adventures in Barovia and the greater Sword Coast area and publishing them all on this new podcast feed. Going forward, we'll be releasing weekly episodes pulled from the live stream here on the Dice Camera Action RSS. For more information on the Waffle Crew or Dice Camera Action, go to dnd.wizards.com dca or head to the Dice Camera Action wiki at dicecamerraaction.gamepedia.com for full episode recaps and information about all the NPCs, guest appearances, and adopted pets of the party. For this episode, we'll pick up right when Chris Perkins says hello to the crew. Enjoy this suboptimal party. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dice Camera Action. Everything's great. Yay! Yay! Awesome! I'm hungry. <laughs> We're... <laughs> Friends stick together and don't turn their backs on them. Oh, no. And the party never becomes separated. Never, ever. Yep. Yeah. So we're, <laughs> we're deep and heavy now in Curse of Strahd. Uh, we've got three party members, as you recall, Diath, Evelyn, and Strix, who are trapped inside the Amber Temple, uh, buried in this ancient uh, mountainside dungeon by an avalanche. And uh, when last we met them, uh, Diath had uh, come upon a room with a large amber-carved golem in it. And his presence disturbed the golem, and it chased him through the complex all the way back to his friends. Now, Evelyn, you're in gaseous form, as you recall. Mm. Strix cast a spell on you, and you are now a cloud. Um, and the golem all but ignores you, ignored you as it ran past in pursuit of Diath. Uh, DF, you were leading the golem right back to where Strix was. So Strix, you got to, you, last we saw you, you were getting a full bore view of DF running back toward you. Actually, I think he skirted behind you uh, in the room. Uh, leaving you in front to confront this rampaging golem uh, charging toward you. Meanwhile, far away in Castle Ravenloft, Paulton uh, cast a spell on a mongrel folk and charmed him into releasing him from a dungeon cell, as well as releasing a uh, another prisoner named Emil. And Paulton and Emil uh, escaped the dungeons, made their way into a flooded torture chamber where they were beset by zombies, uh, but they were able to fight them off, climb up onto a balcony, tear down a red curtain to reveal a door beyond, which led to a chamber with a magical brazier in it. This brazier uh, had a white flame and a... Uh, a riddle of sorts or a poem scribed in the base of an hourglass suspended above the flame. And uh, it didn't take long for them to realize that by throwing uh, colored stones into the fire, they could change the color of the fire and use it as a teleportation device. And they turned the fire to a purple hue and Emil leapt through. And then moments after he leapt through, one of the doors to the chamber opened and Casimir, your dusk elf friend appeared and uh, invited you to a meeting with the master of Ravenloft, Strahd von Zarevich. And rather than leap into the flame, Alton agreed to the meeting and followed. <sighs> follow, gotta eat, what, can't blame him. <laughs> <laughs> and followed Casimir upstairs. Uh. So Paulton, as you um, uh, get close 
to Casimir, you're reminded once again why he has no friends. Uh, <laughs> there's horrible screaming uh, sort of issuing from him uh, in the spirits of hundreds, nay, maybe even thousands that he's killed in his lifetime. And he's, he's cursed to be surrounded by this screaming shroud. Uh, but he leads you up a, a dark spiraling staircase and you at one point arrive at a landing and hanging on the wall of that landing, you see an old tapestry depicting an army of cavalry charging across a plain. Uh, and it appears to be either at sunrise or sunset. The colors, though faded, are still fairly brilliant. And you can see the figure leading the charge is an armored knight on an armored horse. And this knight is wearing a wolf visor. And the sword he's brandishing glows. Uh, almost with the, the brightness of the sun. Wolves and light. Totally into it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. And uh, you're, you walk past that landing and continue up the stairs. Uh, they curl up again and again and again. You're not sure how high you climb, maybe 80, maybe 100 feet, when the stairs come to a final landing in front of a wooden door. And uh, Casimir parts the door and allows you to step ahead of him into what appears to be a brightly lit chamber beyond. You hear crackling flames. Hmm. Did you want to do anything on your way upstairs or as you um, are ushered into this room? Um. So this is just, we've, we've just got some... Uh, Hmm. You know, I guess we can, um, I guess we can just carry on and I guess get up with this room. All right. Uh, you enter the room sort of in one corner of the room, which appears to be about 40 feet square. A blazing hearth uh, fills this room uh, with rolling waves of red and amber light. The walls are lined with ancient books and tomes their leather covers well-oiled and preserved through careful use. Uh, you see the stone floor is concealed beneath a thick, luxurious rug, and in the center of the room is a large, low table, waxed and polished to a mirrored finish. Uh, um, even the poker in its stand next to the blazing fireplace is polished. Next, uh, you see a large, overstuffed divans and couches arranged about the room. Two chairs of burgundy-colored wood with padded leather seats and back cushions face the hearth. Um, and you can see or glimpse a figure seated in each of those chairs. You can't see their faces because the backs of the chairs sort of um, really only reveal at this point uh, a pale hand or a, a sleeved shirt. Um, a huge painting hangs over the mantelpiece in a heavy gilded frame, and it looks quite old. The firelight uh, illuminates the carefully rendered portrait, and you see it is a exact likeness of Irina. And standing before the fire, and standing before the portrait of Irina, you see a dark shadow of a man, a black silhouette, cloaked, caped, uh, tall, thin, a, a wine glass, in one hand, looking up at the portrait, his back to you. He's basically standing between the two um, 
burgundy chairs. And uh, um, make a perception check. Sure thing. Nineteen. You notice that there are doors in almost every other wall except the wall that has the hearth in it. Um, they're all closed. Um, uh, Casimir has sort of stepped into the doorway behind you, effectively cutting off any escape uh, in this moment. Uh, but with your sensational world, you also notice behind one of the divans across the room from you, you see a pair of feet sticking out. Uh, feet and legs of somebody who's lying on the floor, possibly dead. You don't know. Huh. That's the only other thing you see in this room. Uh, at that point, uh, the figure who you believe is Strahd, uh, without turning to face you, still looking at the portrait, says, in ages past, I was a general in my father's army. I fought many battles and spilled oceans of blood in my father's name. Once I suffered a wound that would have killed a lesser man. My horse bore me from the battlefield and we came upon a group of Vistani who tended my wound. They sheltered me. They bore me safely back to my father's kingdom. To my Vistani saviors, I spoke these words. Ever shall your people, by right, come and go freely from my domain in this life and the next. You killed the leader of my werewolf pack, you killed the reincarnation of my beloved Tatiana. But you have Vistani blood in your veins. That is the only reason you still draw breath. Hmm. Huh. Paulton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can see that the two figures in the chairs um, both sort of turn to look at you um, and you can see their faces for the first time uh, one appears to be a young girl with her hair her tussled hair sort of bundled up um, into this um, sort of crazy looking hairstyle and there's sort of a glimpse of uh, sort of childlike wonder in her big eyes uh, and she smiles at you um, the, the way uh, a sister would. Um, um, uh, it seems to be a, a smile filled with love. Uh, the other figure, uh, um, and you can see that she's got what appears to be a, a little plate of maybe uh, biscuits or something in her hands. Uh, and she she sort of struggles to keep that balanced and not just sort of tip it out onto the floor, but she sort of fails and one of the biscuits falls and cracks on the floor. And she starts to sort of panic and kind of sweep it under the chair with her shoe. The other figure is a gray skinned, but beautiful man with long blonde hair. He's young, about as young as you are. Um, 
And uh, his smile is one of menace and malice. Uh, and uh, he sort of curls, uh, 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 the smile curls up enough that you can sort of glimpse a fang um, protruding. Uh, and uh, uh, he's certainly not hiding the fact that he is some sort of vampire. And he's dressed in a fine lace or, or fine uh, brocade shirt with lacy sleeves. And he just sort of tugs on one of the sleeves to straighten it out. Um, and uh, Strahd really doesn't quite walk toward you. He sort of glides toward you slowly. What would you like to do or say, if anything? I tell him, so, um, is there any reason in particular you've invited me? Or were you just here for chit-chat? <laughs> he says uh, and you can see um, or you you actually sense more than see uh, Casimir sort of set his hand onto the the handle the pommel and uh, hilt of his scimitar um, and sort of grip it with his gloved hand very tightly uh, but uh through the subtlest of gestures, uh, Strahd has uh, Casimir stay his hand and says, I did not want you to suffer the same fate as your friends. And uh, what fate would that be? He says, they are confined for all time to a tomb of utter darkness. Yeah, that doesn't sound ideal. He says, um, coming very close to you now. <clears throat> See, that's not wine in his cup. He says, a terrible choice confronts you. You can live, come and go from Barovia as you please, and serve as my eyes and ears in this land and beyond or you can die and rejoin your friends in their dark tomb. Interesting. Very interesting. At that, at that point you hear this sort of loud clatter, 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 clatter down on the floor. Um, and you see the girl sort of stand up sort of in, in shock and she's got her sort of hands on her face and then she sort of regains her composure and realizes she dropped her metal platter on the floor and she starts to bend over and try to sweep it up and clean it up uh, without drawing too much attention to herself. Uh, but you can see she sort of uh, very clumsily kind of uh, slips and falls and uh, uh, kind of lands on the floor next to her, her food. Uh, and uh, for an instant, you can just sort of see Strahd um, kind of roll his eyes. Um, and how, how far away is she from me? Oh, she's about, um, this is a pretty good sized room. She's about 20 feet away from you. Oh, uh, okay. It's like, uh, okay. So, uh,
I was told that there would be dinner. <laughs> I don't think I can make any important decisions on an empty stomach. <laughs> a really good point. <laughs> he says, my chamberlain, Brahadan, will take you to the dining room. Fantastic. Uh, he then uh, gestures to the, d- the dusk elf who uh, sort of breezes past you and you hear his screaming voices again as they pass by. And he says, follow me. Okay. Leave the way, sir. He crosses the room and as he does, you can see more clearly the figure behind the divan lying on the floor is the corpse of the village priest uh, you met early on. Uh, he was in the church with which had his vampire son trapped in the cellar. Remember you released the son and no, said that guy? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, you see, he yes, Don- you see Donovich's bled out corpse. Uh, there's no blood on the floor. He's just sort of uh, pale and bloodless, uh, just sort of lying in state on the floor behind the divan. And you can see what appears to be uh, blood, uh, some dried blood on his neck. Uh, from puncture wounds. Um, and that's about it. And uh, No one is safe. The dusk elf uh, opens the door, uh, revealing another room beyond that's caked with dust. And ushers you into it. Uh, this room that you come into, uh, and the dusk assaults your lungs as soon as you enter, uh, you, there's a sweet but yet pungent smell of decay that fills it. And in the center of the room, you see a long oak table. A blanket of dust covers the tabletop and its fine china and silverware. In the center of the table, a large tiered cake leans heavily to one side. The once white frosting is turned green with age. Cobwebs hang like dusty lace down every side of the cake. A single doll figure of a well-dressed woman adorns the crest of the cake. Suspended above is a web-shrouded chandelier of forged iron. You see an arched window in the far wall draped with heavy curtains. And resting on a wooden stand by the window is a dusty lute, as in an instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, and quietly in another corner is a tall harp shrouded with cobwebs. This dining room doesn't look like it's been used in ages but the wedding cake has somehow survived and although moldered um has not completely decayed into decrepitude i just kind of like run one finger on the table i just look yes. at, like huh yes you you pull up uh ages of dust on one fingertip so uh I take it dining isn't done often. And he says, this is the master's private dining room. We won't be eating here. We'll be eating downstairs. Um, Following you into the room is the uh, young uh, blonde haired vampire and the uh, the human girl. Um, I, I use the term girl, but she's probably, you know, 18, 19 years old. Um, and uh, they're sort of walking arm in arm 
uh, like they're a couple or a date. Uh, you don't see any love or affection in the man, um, but there is something sort of charmingly innocent about the girl. And she does not appear to be a vampire. She seemed to be flesh and blood and Ash's actually kind of got rosy cheeks and a robust complexion. And uh, uh, they sort of accompany you as uh, the Dusk Elf leads you through another doorway into a hall that has some alcoves that have statues in them, but the statues sort of writhe, like there's something crawling all over them. Um, but you can't really see because they're nestled deep in the shadows. And when you go down another spiral staircase, it takes you down about one level to a what appears to be a, a very well-decorated hall and to a set of double doors that stand open, revealing a much larger dining room in much finer condition. In fact, there doesn't seem to be an, an inch, an ounce of dust in the entire room. This dining room has, uh, is supported by pillars, and the dining table is decked out with all sorts, a banquet, a feast, uh, food of all sorts, drinks of all kinds, the finest uh, uh, gold utensils and, and china. The entire back wall of the room is dominated by what appears to be a gigantic pipe organ. Uh -huh. Each side of the pipe organ is a tall mirror. It's like, oh, this is much nicer. Cool. And the girl says, yes, this is very fine. Where shall we sit? And uh, the Dusk Elf Chamberlain uh, will um, direct you to sit at the chair closest to the door at one end of the table, Paulton. In fact, he'll pull the chair out for you. How very nice. So your back is now facing the doors and you are looking toward the pipe organ, sculpted into which you can see images of what appear to be a cherubim uh, flying and dancing around. These are stone sculptures sort of worked all around the frame of the pipe organ. The pipes of the organ actually have sort of screaming faces at the top with open mouths where the sound issues out of. Neato. Indeed. Uh, both uh, the young vampire and the young girl uh, take up uh, positions on each side of you. So the fella is on your left and the girl is on your right. There is no sign of your host, however. And then you hear the soft footfalls of the Chamberlain. You hear the screaming voices uh, become silent as he moves away from you heads back toward the doors and closes them, trapping you here with these two. Mm. So it's just the three of you with this bounteous feast laid out before you. And it smells uh, very appetizing. Um, everything smells like it was just freshly cooked. Okay. Right. You said the you said the one girl appears to be human. Yes. Okay. Like, so? Yes, and there's something something of an innocence about her that you can instantly read. <laughs> so we're at this table. Yep. In this <clears throat> grand vaulted dining room. 
Uh, every sound you make uh, seems to be amplified here. In fact, you can see the girl, she sort of picks up her utensils or she picks up like two spoons and sort of holds them up and just sort of looks at her reflection in the, the warped um, gold. Uh, and you can't tell whether or not she's infatuated with her own reflection or she's trying to determine which spoon is the proper spoon um, to hold. Uh, there's confusion in her eyes and, and sort of a, an obliviousness to her. Interesting. You can see the, uh, the young vampire basically reaches over the table, gets this decanter, and starts pouring wine into your glass, into hers and not his. He just sets it down. So, uh, not a drinker, I take it. He says, I do not drink wine. Blood, right? <laughs> yeah. He says, that is my preferred drink, yes. Mm, gotcha. You're very quick. <laughs> um, I wonder. Can I wait to see if she takes a drink first before I proceed to mine? Uh, yeah, she'll she'll pick up the glass and she'll. Hmm. Hmm. Well, and she says, "Isn't this wonderful?" Sure. Absolutely. So I'll take a sip of wine. What could go on? I'd like you to make a constitution saving throw. <laughs> That's what could go wrong. Of course. That's what could go wrong. Mm. <laughs> I'll, I'll be in my room. Six. All right. Okay. Uh, it tastes like a uh, perfectly delicious um, wine. In fact, uh, it strikes you as you believe, uh, having sampled this wine before, that this is Red Dragon Crush. This is from the Wizard of Wines Winery. Ooh, S stellar choice. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, but other other than that, uh, nothing about the wine strikes you as tainted or odd or off-putting. It seems perfectly fine. At that moment, uh, the door cracks open again, and you hear uh, you got this big back chair, and uh, you sort of turn, and you see a figure shuffle in, and it's that mongrel folk that you saw down in the dungeon. Mm. And uh, you can see that he's got a tray with bowls on it, and he sort of lurches toward you. And... Uh, uh, without setting the tray down, takes the bowls off and puts a, a steaming bowl of hot soup in front of you and in front of uh, the girl. And he also puts one in front of the uh, vampire guy and he just sort of uh, looks at it and then like a cat, pushes it off the table and sends it smashing down onto the floor. The, uh, the vampire's bowl? The vampire did that. And then the mongrel folks like, ah, why did you do that? Ah, now I have to clean it up. And you see the vampire just smiles with a toothy fang smile. And the mongrel just, folks starts starts to like, he, he takes part of his 
sackcloth robe and just starts to soak it up off the tiled floor. Um, but as the soup sort of spills out, you see something in the soup you had not expected, which is an eyeball. I look at that and I look at, I have like a spoon, right? Yes. I just kind of gently poke around in my soup. (laughs) See if I find anything similar. Yeah. You're, when you sort of pull, uh, you don't, there's nothing sort of big and lumpy in your, in your soup, but when you pull the spoon up out, you see it's become almost entangled uh, the way you'd expect sort of spaghetti to become entangled around a spoon with hair. still be good you can keep an open mind i just set it back down all right and then uh paulton yeah, there's but... starving people in a cave somewhere who would like <laughs> <laughs> just saying. we're taking hair soup <laughs> now this doesn't look like the food that you see on the table before you where there's like you know uh, pheasants and rolls and stuffed potatoes and other goodies this this seems to be something the mongrel came up with on his own And he's still there, right? Oh, yes, yes. I'm just like, is this what you were cooking up earlier? He says, yes, it was my finest. All right, well. He says, uh, one of the zombies got away. I'll have to track him down. Oh, you should go. You should get on that right now. So busy, so much to do. Mm-hmm. Hear that. <laughs> Bad for that guy. <laughs> and uh, after he soaks it up, uh, soaks up the, the liquid and cleans up the mess, he and he doesn't do a very good job of it, uh, but he gathers up the bowl and the tray and um, the vampire just sort of makes a, a motion of, to sort of startle him and the, the mongrel folk traipses off as quickly as possible. Uh, the vampire turns to you and says, the wise course for you would be to stay. Is that so? He says, there's plenty of room in the castle. I gathered that. It's a very spacious place. And you're very attractive. Ah. Yes. Says, my name is Escher. And uh, he'll he'll extend a sort of hand out to you. He's, he's got it's pale. He's got very long nails, uh, but he is sort of uh, trying to offer his hand in friendship across the table across the corner of the table. I will shake his hand. My pleasure to meet you, sir. All right. Uh, he doesn't let it go. Oh, it's, a, it's a good handshake you got there. Says, Your hands are so warm. Oh, thank you very much. Yours are not as warm. <laughs> he says, the master turned me 
he won't do the same to you. Hmm. If you decide to stay. Well. Thanks. He says, I've never been with a Vistani before. <laughs> I love this guy. Is he, is he still holding my hand? Yes, he is. Like He sort of pulls it in a little bit toward him. And... Uh, um, uh, just awkwardly enough, so you're kind of like now leaning over the table a bit. <laughs> like, oh, okay, okay, buddy, calm down. I'm I'm only one drink in. All right. <laughs> he says, "I can make your stay here more pleasant." I'm sure you can. He says, "Sometimes it can be quite unbearable." And the girl says, "I don't know. I really like it here. There's so many things to do and so many things to see." Every day is like an adventure. How fun. And uh, what is it you do in your downtime here in this lovely abode? Well, like you, I'm a guest. And uh, the Count says, I can stay as long as I like. This is much better than being in the village. Hmm. It uh, It is a lovely, lovely castle, isn't it? And and the Count, he's so misunderstood. Mm. And how so? Well, he's so, he's so giving and, oh, he gave me this dress and this pendant. And she pulls the pendant out and shows it to you. And you see it's this sort of remarkable, uh, charming ruby pendant. And uh, she says, and the food and the beds and... Everything is so comfortable and lavish. I feel like a princess. Well, that's very nice of him. And uh, where? how long have you been here? Oh, I'm not exactly sure. But I think he's going to propose to me. <gasps> Congrats. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that amazing? Oh, mm-hmm. he just loves me so much. I, I'm sure he does. And I think he loves you too. I could see it in his eyes. I, well, that's an okay position to be in given my circumstances. Uh, and uh, you can see uh, Escher across the room just look at her and say, stop your blathering. She is under his spell. That is all. Ah. I see. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Dalton's response to everything. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. So, um... Will anyone else be joining us for dinner? Uh, Escher will say the master would join us, but he is quite upset over the death of his beloved. Mm. What's her name? Irina? Mm. Irina? Irina. Actually, he would know her name. Yeah, He would just say his beloved Irina. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was a... Uh... So he'll spend the next, oh, how many years brooding? I don't know. 
(laughs) (laughs) He's become quite intolerable, actually. Hasn't paid me any attention whatsoever. Oh, I'm so sorry. He says, but now you're here. And if you stay, you'll have a much better time rejoining your friend. (laughs) That won't go well. Mm. It's your way out, Paul. You got to bang this dude. (laughs) Anyway, um, he says, uh, but enough talk. And he sort of reaches over the table and pushes some plates toward you so that you can partake of the food. Here. I don't have an appetite for this, but I'm sure you'll enjoy it. It's all good and it's all safe. Well, thank you. I I am famished. All right. Uh, yeah, so uh, you're able to pile up some food and it does smell good. And uh, Gertrude is not shy either. She uh, grabs a bunch of food and piles it up on her plate. And... Uh, she forgets uh, what Escher told her and just starts talking and chatting again. And uh, she says, I have the best room in the whole castle, the biggest bed. It's amazing. It's so soft. I, I don't know what, it's, what the mattress is stuffed with, but I've never slept on its like. And there's this full-length mirror in my bedroom that I can stand in front of and see all the beautiful gowns and wear them all that uh, the Count has given me. And each one is just, was crafted. I don't know where it was crafted or by whom, but they're just absolutely amazing. I have so many of them. I would love to show them off to you. Oh, that's, that, sounds, that sounds lovely. I'm sure. I can dance. <laughs> <laughs> What <laughs> about yourself, please? Escher says, room has been set aside for you in one of the towers should you decide to accept the master's offer to stay. However, he will require an answer. He will probably, knowing his style, visit you tonight. Well, I look forward to speaking with him. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be nice. That'll be fun. All right. And you sort of stuff a roll in your mouth and eat it. Meanwhile, at the Amber Temple. Paul, can you give me a roll too? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds really good right now. I'll take the eyeball, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew you'd be eyeing that eyeball. Yeah. Uh, so Strix... Uh, you see this uh, hulking, 10, 11 foot tall amber construct come running, stomping across the balcony toward the doorway in which you stand. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Diath is a pace or two behind you at this point. And you can make out the cloud form of Evelyn uh, following the golem as fast as she can. And I'm going like, boop, 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 but it doesn't <laughs> seem to be doing anything. It doesn't seem to acknowledge your presence at all. Mm-hmm. Weird. And I, I changed into Strawn last time. You did. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tried to uh, persuade him to stop. Right. Um, uh, and you, yes, that's right. And you made a check and yeah. uh, I wrote that down. And uh, so as... Really bad accent too. Yeah. <laughs> Swedish Strahd. <laughs> not very good Strahd. Strad. Hello, my name is Strad. I want to suck your blood. All right. 
Uh, as as you stand before this thing, uh, you can see that it does halt its advance as it gets close to you, but it also brings its fists up in a sort of a Hulk smash uh, oh, type no. move. Um, and um, uh, Evelyn, uh, because it's got you can, it's semi-translucent, you can sort of see vam- or vampire strikes through the golem. Um, but you're pretty sure that she's about to get utterly pulverized. Uh, but then in an instant, it just sort of stops, uh, almost just sort of frozen in place. And Evelyn, I'd like you to make a perception check. Do I know already that that is uh, Strix, or do I think that Strahd might have disappeared? That will depend on the uh, roll. Okay. Um, that's a 19. Uh, you can see that uh, you're pretty sure it's not Strix that caused the thing to stop. A figure has appeared in the cathedral below you. Um, you're basically at the top of a wide staircase now going down to the cathedral floor. At the bottom of that staircase, you see a robed figure holding up a bony skeletal hand um, in a gesture uh, aimed at the construct. And it looks like the construct was about to like, and it, sto- yes. it stopped it. Yes. Uh, well, you can you can see looking down into the darkness of the cathedral only that it's a, a some sort of robed skeletal man or skeletal figure. Hard to see details. Uh, I guess I go check it out. <laughs> All right. Um, now uh, your gaseous form does not provide any special uh, sight, and uh, without proper light, it is actually very dark down there. Actually, I don't. I don't want to go anywhere near that statue again. <laughs> I like start to do that, and then I change okay. my mind completely, and then I just go. I try to go around the construct and back to Strahd Strix. That you're able to do now, Strix. You do not have a, a a line of sight to that skeletal figure. So, by all accounts, you believe you were successful. Yes, I'm like I guess my lawyer subjects. <laughs> <laughs> You hear Dieth mutter under his breath. Now, my villain, please go <laughs> bash the door and just out play. <laughs> I would like to escape so I can go and turn more people into vampires. I am both. You sound, you sound like that midget from Twin Peaks, the little, <laughs> the little guy. That gum you like is going to come back in style. <laughs> That's great. Uh, As you talk to this thing and gesture wildly and try to command it to do different things, it doesn't move at all. Yeah, I command you. (laughs) And you see Evelyn is floating beside you, but she can't talk in her gaseous form. She can probably gesture, though. And I'm like trying to make this look more strotty, like I'm behind her going like... I just just go up and turn you back into a person. I'm just like, oh. All right, you're back into a person, Evelyn. Superhero landing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm a. Am I handsome? (laughs) You're so so handsome, my uh, my Lord Strahd. Guys, real quick, real quick. Don't go that way. There's a statue. Okay. <laughs> uh, thanks. No problem. No problem. Um, uh, by the way, uh, we have a company. I'm sorry. Company sorry. <laughs> down there, over there, down by the in the courtyard. Uh, 
Hooded figure, skeletal hand, the whole thing. Is that why this thing stopped? Did this not? I didn't. I didn't do this. Ugh. Unfortunately, not. But you put on a real good show, and that accent was real good. You just keep it up. Thanks, Evelyn. You're uh, welcome. Is this is this company? Is it scary? Uh, well, it seems so safe to you. So. All right. Oh, uh, thank you for oh, saving. No, no, shut up! Stop. Saving Strahd. Uh, right here, our um, friend Strahd. Thank no, you. Not, I mean, Yasvat, yes, that is my name. The master of us. You can hear something or someone coming up the stairs of the cathedral toward the amber golem and toward you. Yeah. A single solitary figure. Um, its it's footballs are fairly soft. There is nowhere for us to go. There, except in the hallway with the flame skulls, which there is no. nowhere for us to go. Right. Very well, last time. Yes, my prisoners, I will protect you from whatever is coming. Ah, thank you, you benevolent, evil, malevolent benefactor. <laughs> All right, I'll get. I'll puff up my chest as big as I can and stand like. Uh, Pretty much there, not like Strahd would stand at all. <laughs> are there any places I could possibly hide within the corners of this room, like from the entrance? Like Make a perception check. So that while these two chuckleheads are <laughs> whatever, I'm going to try to get myself into some kind of ambushing position. Sure thing. Up to that. Uh, just quick look around. Perception uh, 15. You actually find, not far from these double doors, a secret door set into a wall. Son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like it's a, it looks like it's, it's well hidden. Um, but, uh, you could simply push it open. Uh, uh, there doesn't seem to be any special latch or other devious means of opening it. It's pretty simple. Just push open door. I'm just angry at myself. Uh, Chris, I do want to remind you at this point, I do have the dungeon delver feet. So I'm real good at finding traps and secret doors. Groovy. As proof, you just found one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what's what size is this uh, secret door on? Like, uh, to the other doorways. I'm sorry. So, where does the secret door lie compared to the other ones that we know about? So, this secret door is in the wall right across from the double doors leading to the hallway with the flame skulls in it. Oh, so like towards the south then? Yep. Okay. Um. We're going this way. <laughs> so open that door up. All right. Uh, when you push the stone door open, uh, you can see that there is a dusty chamber beyond. Not a very big one. Um, it looks like some sort of hidden closet space. Uh, but there are uh, holes or niches in the walls that look like at one point they were designed to hold maybe scrolls or maps or something. But... Um, there's no evidence of anything here now. If there were squirrels here, they've long since crumbled to dust. But basically, it's a closed-off room, no exits, but a good place to hide. Right. Don't trust the uh, scary man that Evelyn saw. Let's hide in the closet, everybody. Well, what are we going to do after we hide in the closet? He, he stopped the golem from killing us. Maybe maybe he lives here. I don't want to stay in there forever. Strix is hungry. She gets cranky when she gets hungry. And now I am a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to be here long enough until it's once again safe. I don't trust anyone or anything here. Well, if you say so. 
Cracks over here. I'm not hiding in there. He he stopped the golem. He couldn't what? be that bad. Well, you should go talk to him then, because you're the one who looks like his lord and master. That's true. Uh yes. I'm not gonna leave you out here on your own though. We well, are as good as dead anyway, my prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh woe is me. Woe is me. I hope Lathander can save me from this terrible plot. <laughs> just just get in the closet. Okay. <laughs> in the closet. Okay, so Diath and Evelyn are hiding in the secret yes. closet, and uh, Strix is out there by herself in Strahd guys, uh, confronting this creature. Got it. But we're not far, right? Like, I could jump out and help her. Right, yes. Okay. Um, if you close the door completely, um, which you'd probably have to do to remain hidden, right. you'll, you won't hear voices clearly. You're just going to hear muffledness. But if, if she were to say scream, you would undoubtedly hear that. Great. Scream if you need us. Right. We'll listen as hard as we Dad can. Dad does not scream. <laughs> he only <laughs> cries. <laughs> All right. So Strix, coming into view around the um, sort of coming around the back of the golem uh, is this skeletal figure. and he. He only stands about maybe five foot six, five foot seven, uh, but you can see it appears to be um, basically a an undead skeleton clad in old, dusty, black robes. Now there's bits of flesh clinging to this skeleton, enough to suggest that uh, some attempt was made to preserve its flesh over the years, but those attempts have since faltered and it's begun to decay. Um, so some of the flesh is drawn very tightly over the bone, and the rest is just bare, exposed bone. Um, one of his hands has tightly drawn flesh still over it, but it's all parchy and dried out. And the other hand is bare ivory. And, uh, uh, would I know what this is? The... Uh, make an arcana check. Sorry. 11. Okay. Um, there is, uh, a sort of, um, At first glance, it could just simply be an animated skeleton to you. Um, but then it starts to talk, and you realize animated skeletons don't do that. Um, your best guess is this is some sort of perhaps a lich. After this flame skulls, I'm not surprised. Yep. <laughs> um, some sort of powerful undead remnant of a spellcaster, you assume. And the robes look like they may have been wizard robes at one point, um, but, but they're quite faded and tattered at this point. And uh, he says, have you come here for the dark gifts? Uh, Strix obviously looks flustered. She's not a very good actor. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes, friend. It is me, Strad Van Zarovich. I have come here for a couple things. <laughs> One being those uh, gifts you talked about. Uh, the says, other, Strahd, that name sounds familiar. <laughs> yes, I am very powerful <laughs> and scary. He <laughs> says, "That is not laughter that you hear. It is my bowels." He says, <laughs> "I." have forgotten a great many things, including who I am. Time has worn 
my body and memory to the bone. Oh, oh he's a jokester. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, say, I have a few friends here. Do not be alarmed, but we would like to talk with you. And I'm just gonna knock on the door and be like, he's barmy, it's fine. <laughs> as soon as you knock on the door, you, from the inside, you just hear, ah! <laughs> <laughs> And you take us around, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, can you take us around this temple? He says, I know this place. Yes, but I have, if you wish to see the amber sarcophagi, I'm sorry, but I don't remember the passwords. Well, that sounds like a problem. Uh, we, I opened up like the closet door since Strix knocked on it. And yes. Jill. All right, uh, you all come out to greet this ancient decrepit lich. Hi, my name's Evelyn. What's your name? I grab a skeletal hand and shake it. I don't remember. Well, uh, Strahd here just called you Barmy. Is that your name? It could be. All right, Barmy. Nice to meet you. Thanks <laughs> for like... taking us to see the Amber Sarcophaga. I don't, um, I don't know the passwords either, so don't worry about it. But I was, I was curious if maybe you knew anything about that big statue right there that has a tendency to shoot lightning out of it. It was very unpleasant. I don't remember. Well, what do you remember? He says, a few things here and there. The purpose of this place, guard secrets, old secrets, and ancient power. That's real nice. Trapped um, here for all time. DF, Strix is going to look at DF, maybe... He has some information on why you were told to come here. Yeah, I'm already on it. You may not remember much, old one. But do, tell us what you do now. And we'll go from there. He says. There are ancient powers trapped here. And he says, they have ancient knowledge. Is the big amber construct still standing there like this? Yep. <laughs> Are you still holding um, holding that, that guy's arms up? Yes. One of my few memories are the ancient words to control the amber guardians. Would you just be so kind as to maybe teach us those ancient words? He says, um, he begins to recite an arcane passage. Uh, the words are gibberish to you. Um, uh, you think you might be able to potentially remember them. Um, but, uh, and as he, he actually turns and points to the thing and he utters uh, some arcane phrases and it goes stomping off across the balcony back whence it came. Strix goes, wait, wait, can you get him to knock that door down? I mean, can you get him to knock that door down? <laughs> what door? The front door. Someone has covered it in rocks. They, we got trapped in here. And he's he says, big and strong. The guardians can't leave the temple. Uh, 
All's right, then. <laughs> Good try, though. Thanks. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he says, you will be safe in my company. Right. Maybe, like, maybe the big uh, amber fatty smashy guy could just maybe just smash that statue. He says, I could never turn the guardians against their own temple. That's fair. That's one thing you remember, huh? Well, he says, I do not have the commands to tell it that. Oh, okay. But it looks like, I'm sorry, it looks like we need to find your passwords. They're locked in my memories. We can figure it out. Can you restore those? If I can get a scroll, I can. Ah, perhaps I'll take you to the library. That's that sounds perfect. Library. All right. Yay! I love libraries. I happen to be a caster as well, Sir uh, Lich. Um, you see, he moves toward the amber doors leading to the hall with the flame skulls in it. Can you? Excuse me, uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Bone, Boney Bonebox, can you uh, not have those flame skulls attack us, please? Strix is just giving up on the accent at this point because she doesn't care. Yeah, right. <laughs> She's <laughs> Got still it. strong. Got it. Um, uh, you see, uh, he pulls open the doors and he says, of course. As soon as he opens it, she flinches like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> It's as strawed, so it's like double funny. Right. Yes, all of the, the three flame skulls turn malevolently uh, at, uh, toward you all as the doors open. Uh, but when they see the skeletal figure in his tattered robes, uh, they do not take any instant action. Oh, my God. Oh. I, I do that thing where I just like... <laughs> <laughs> around the doorway just to see if they're going to like attack. Yes. Um, they seem uh, just to sort of hover in place. Um, <laughs> High up in the hall, just out of melee range. They watch you warily, but as uh, this uh, as Barmy makes his way <laughs> up the hall, uh, they don't seem to take any hostile action whatsoever. Praise the Thander for the friends we meet along the way that keep us safe in dangerous way. And I like even, walk behind Barmy and pat him on the bony shoulder. <laughs> Strix is just going to walk up to you. Even Evelyn, don't start calling other gods' names in other gods' houses. That's like yelling. That's like breaking people's dishes in their houses. It's like breaking their things. So just, just like a little bit. Don't anger the power power here. Well, I mean, I could not if I went over to your mom's house and I, I, I talked about my mom. My mom's your dead. mom wouldn't be mad. What about your dad? They're probably dead or a demon. Can you imagine if you did have a mom or a dad? No. Okay. Evelyn. Well, never mind. Then I'm real sorry, and I kiss her on the cheek and give her a hug. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> uh, so uh, the uh, barmy sort of turns toward you and uh, just sort of gestures with a bony hand to follow him down the hall. As you recall, uh, just inside the hall are the scorched remains of a dead corpse lying face down on the floor. Um, as you kind of make your way past those blasted remains, some unfortunate who got caught by the fireballs and didn't survive, you can see clutched in its charred bony hand is a, a fairly is an untouched staff. Oh, we're not going down this path again. Mm-mm. 
I thought you liked staff. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what happened last time, Evelyn? Yeah, I got to chop it up. Uh, you can see that the head, the staff itself seems to be made out of shod wood, but the tip of it looks like a shard of ice. Are you sure you don't want that? Because it looks fun. I'm not going to touch it until I know what that is. Hey, Barmy. Hey, Barmy. Do you have that? <laughs> it's not ours. You can take it if you wish. <laughs> I do any kind of like an arcana check to see if I know or... Yeah, you can crouch down. I'm not going to touch it. Yep, got it. You know, sure. we'll, we'll take it on our way out. Yeah. Oh, we yeah, might need it while we're here. I, it's ice. check. I didn't roll very well. Okay. I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> you think without without an identify spell, you won't be able to really ascertain its powers. Would it be possible to use something to not touch it to pick it up? Yeah, you could essentially pull out a cloth or something and pick it up with the cloth. That, do I know if that would work with keeping me from being being possessed like the Gulthaya staff? Um, you're not exactly sure. The The next possibility is to use a mage hand of some kind. Oh, I have that. Yeah. All right. Great. <laughs> you do. I'm going to summon a mage hand and pick it up All right. then. When, you, when the mage hand appears, and you haven't cast this spell in a long oh, time, yeah. uh, you see it takes on sort of a skeletal countenance. It looks like a skeleton hand. That's not normal. And uh, you pick up the, it picks up the staff and is able to hold it up a lot. Which would prefer that. Thanks, Bony McBonehand. All right. There's also sort of a kind of like a, a purplish light uh, surrounding the the mage hand that you don't recall in the past. Gross. I'm going to call that hand Knuckles. I hate knuckles. this place. <laughs> knuckles. <laughs> knuckles. I'm just going to let it float behind me. Right. Okay, so it floats behind you as you make your way down the hall. You pass underneath the flame skulls who just kind of glower at you with their empty flamey sockets, but don't take any hostile actions. And you are uh, led uh, down the length of the hall to another set of amber doors, which Barmy throws open uh, to reveal a uh, torchlit chamber with a table in the center of the room. Covering the table is a feast that fills the hall with rich smells of cooked meat, sweet vegetables, piping hot gravy, and wine. Um, but he ignores that, walks past it to another set of double doors um, across the way that lead out onto a partially crumbled balcony. You are now in one of the north corners of the cathedral, very close to that statue, um, that giant god statue. Um, and uh, he makes his way across the partially shattered balcony to another set of doors into a dusty chamber, which I won't describe, and then through a secret door into a small closet that has another secret door in the back of it into a chamber that appears to be his private sanctum. But you don't spend a hell of a lot of time there. Uh, it's a lich system, so it's all sort of dusty and cobwebby and all the furnishings look old and decrepit, where he leads you through another secret door and then another secret door into a chamber that is truly impressive. Damn, this place is dope. DF, did you remember all the secret doors? Yeah, I've got it. <laughs> Uh, you, you come into a stone library that has 20-foot-high walls and a 30-foot-high vaulted ceiling. Covering the ceiling is a fresco that depicts angels being set ablaze in a hell. I do not like that picture. The black marble railing, or there is a black marble railing that encloses a gold marble staircase that spirals gently downward uh, down a 30-foot-wide, 30-foot-deep shaft to the north. Now, against the, against the gray walls of this room stand uh, six 10-foot-tall black marble bookcases, and on their shelves are hundreds of well-preserved tomes. There are embroidered rugs, chairs, and lit candelabras 
um, basically scattered about this room. Chris is very excited about this room and just goes, oh, this is the library. He says, the spiral staircase descends to a chamber with three ancient amber sarcophagi. The rest of the sarcophagi are locked in other rooms to which I have forgotten the passwords. Well, what do the amber sarcophagi do? They contain images of the dark powers. Powerful beings that will grant you gifts if you ask them. Well, I already am granted powerful gifts of love and friendship every single day, so I'm in need of nothing. He says, You would be surprised. Well, I suppose I would, especially since I'd someday maybe like to get out of this temple. Me too. He says, Their gifts are great. Can I do a religion check on that uh, fresco? That sure. Is? I'm going to see if I can guess at all what if this place is or if I've seen it before in the plains. Or something similar. 21. Hmm. All righty. With a 21. Um, uh, you are able to ascertain... Uh, only that it uh, depicts what appears to be a uh, an angelic incursion into the nine hells. Hmm. Does it look like basically good attacking evil and Which evil side retaliating? Looks to be winning. Uh, it's a little hard to say. There, there are uh, pretty much all the angels are sort of fighting through <laughs> flames and being charred to some extent in their sort of descent. Uh, you think symbolically it represents. Uh, good uh, fighting against evil and being forced uh, uh, to basically uh, sacrifice themselves uh, for the battle. You know, at further examination, I actually do kind of like that picture. <laughs> this place is bad news. Just, I mean, we knew that already, but just again. Barmy says, any book that is taken from the library disintegrates as the magic that preserves it is dispelled. Hmm. Well, we don't need to take anything out. We can no, just... No, we need to try it. and find a way to restore his memories. So <clears throat> I guess we start looking. All right. Keeper, would you know of anything here that would have anything to do with curses or the removal of them? <sighs> he says... I have memories of a spell that can remove a curse. Perhaps that is locked away in this lore somewhere. It is possible that one of the dark powers can lift the curse for you as their gift. When you call them dark powers, though, why are they dark? He says, if you want to know the answer to that question, follow me. And he begins to descend the golden staircase into the shaft. It sort of spirals down into the shaft. He couldn't just tell. Oh, okay. <laughs> can, I, can I stay looking for books? You sure can. All right. I'm going to continue looking for scrolls and things to help us out of here. All right. We'll be accompanying the keeper. 
Excellent. Army. Yes. Uh, the spiral staircase uh, descends casually down into a lower chamber underneath the library, but almost as big. Uh, now this room. Uh, you can see, first of all, lying in the middle of the floor are six rotting wooden crates. Looks like they've been here for some time and have not been well tended. Uh, the walls here are covered with amber. They're covered with an amber glaze that's sculpted to look like tentacles that entwine around marble bas-reliefs of kings, queens, pharaohs, and sultans attended by myriad slaves. Three of the walls of this room have deep alcoves in them, and stand, one alcove per wall. And standing in each alcove is a tall, rough block of amber. Uh, basically, it uh, looks like an oversized sarcophagus of sorts. Um, now, within, trapped within each amber sarcophagus, you see a dark blot, like a black wisp. In addition to the amber sarcophagi set in alcoves and the rotting wooden crates, you see um, two wide cracks, apparently naturally formed, have opened up in one wall, uh, spilling rubble and shattering pieces of amber onto the floor in one corner of the room. Uh, you think that's probably the result of some sort of seismic activity or something, not a, not a natural occurrence or not, not a uh, artificially carved crack, but naturally formed. And uh, you see the, the keeper guy, um, he points to one of the sarcophagi and say, says, there in the sarcophagus, one of the dark powers. Also, it's called dark because it's just dark colored. Yes. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah, it's that's probably it. Yes, that's probably it. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I'm going to go up and make sure that your friend Strahd is finding what he needs. <laughs> well, what, I mean. And he'll leave you with the dark powers. I kind of look at it. I do, um, I think I'd like to do a religion check to see if I know anything about these. Sure, go ahead. That is a 21. All right. Um, well, as you um, take a closer look at these amber sarcophagi, which stand each stand about eight feet tall and about five feet wide and five feet thick, and you uh, sort of look into them and see this sliver or wisp of utter darkness contained within, um, you believe that your best guess is that the darkness is the vestige of a possibly a dead god. Whoa. We're not going to want to mess with that. And do I know anything about what a dead god vestige would actually do? No, um, this is this is unknown territory for you. They didn't teach you about this in your 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 Bible study class. Uh, but <laughs> uh, you, um, without even touching the sarcophagus, just sense a palpable evil. About okay, that's what I thought. Nope, these are no good. Can't use them. Right. Don't mess with the dark blots and the amber. Yep. Too bad. Would have been nice to have some sort of strange gift, but oh well. Too evil. Now let's go look at the books. I like books. 
Uh, is there anything else that I could uh, ascertain from the sarcophagi themselves? Uh, you can see that they appear to be, they don't have lids as a sarcophagus would. They appear to be solid blocks of amber with these entities trapped inside of them. Um, but uh, make a perception check. Uh, 17. Okay. Uh, the, the, the dark blots within them don't seem to be moving in any way, shape, or form. They seem to be literally frozen inside this amber. Um, the amber itself looks like it's, you know, breakable, smashable, whatever you want, um, there. Uh, these things would be enormously heavy, um, uh, but they 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 look to you almost like uh, magically carved prisons for these beings. Now, as you're moving from one sarcophagus to the next, uh, you don't sense any of the evil that Evelyn picked up emanating from them. Um, but uh, they do seem to have a strange allure. You kind of feel drawn to them. Not yeah. the, um uh, their 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 power is just naturally tantalizing to you. Now you've you know you're a you're a canny adventurer. You're not going to fall for anything like that. But there is something alluring about it, um, and you get the you get the presence. Uh, you pre you perceive uh, that although they are malevolent entities, the gifts that they bestow might not necessarily be malevolent. Uh, you do notice that the cracks in that wall, they only seem to go into the wall about 10 feet and then lead into some sort of other chamber. Okay, there's something else beyond this way? Yeah, there, those, oh. those uh, rents in the wall seem to have basically created a natural point of entry to some other room down here. I didn't leave without him. I just motioned for him to come. So if I notice that he's not, I am like, what? You know, what are you finding back here? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'll take a little peek in that little uh, mm -hmm. naturally formed passageway. Yeah. yeah, the cracks are about three to four feet wide, so you can certainly skulk through them, no problem. Um, and when you sort of uh, get to the point where it breaks into the other room, you do get a clear look of that room's contents. And it appears to be some sort of vault. You see piles of treasure heaped against the walls of this uh, high vaulted stone room. Uh, there are basically three pot, and uh, you also notice across from you, um, oh, let me back up. These uh, cracks that you come through are yeah. basically in the, you enter this room in the back of an alcove, a big sort of semicircular alcove carved out of the wall of this room. Um, so you're kind of peering out into the room through this alcove. The room has six big piles of treasure um, and it's sort of a mixed bag. You can see all kinds of stuff here. Uh, three piles along one wall and three piles on the other. The far wall across from the alcove in which you find yourself is a set of large amber doors and they're closed. There it is. I'd like you to make a perception check. Uh, 18. That's a really good roll. So as you're looking into the room, you notice that there's this weird distortion effect. It's very, very subtle. 
uh, a person might not, any other person might not have noticed it, but you're sharply sensed, you got sharp senses. And it's in the alcove. Uh, it's like your vision is wrapping around it by some sort of light distortion, but there's something potentially invisible in the alcove that you're seeing through. Wow. It's so weird. It's almost as though something you seek lies in a pile of treasure behind amber doors. I too have a fond memory. <laughs> uh, you can see from your vantage point that uh, the piles contain uh, coins, gemstones, armor, shields. Uh, you actually see what looks like a child-sized sarcophagus in one pile. Uh, you see. Oh, you see a gilded chariot in another pile. Um, you see uh, bottles. You see ceramic statuary, uh, trunks, um, holy symbols, uh, gilded skulls, weapons of all sorts. You see a life-sized wooden pony in one pile. Ooh, I want that one. <laughs> An obsidian scepter and some helms in another pile. So, and you see books strewn upon a pile. Uh, is even are you with me? Uh. Yeah, I guess I followed you. Okay. Yeah, she kind of did. Come back I and get I look back at you and I say, touch nothing. But there's a... I know. Hey. I've, I've I seen can... situation like this before. Meanwhile, upstairs... You see uh, Barmy has come up the staircase again. Uh, he's left your friends down below, apparently. Maybe they're dead. You're not sure. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm like, where did they go, Gramps? <laughs> Your friends are studying the amber sarcophagi. That's good. Uh, I still. I have forgot to... to mention they probably shouldn't disturb the crates. Oh, oh no! Can we go down and tell them? That might be wise. Okay, I just like take off running downstairs. <laughs> I'm like, don't touch anything. Paulton. Ah. <laughs> uh, Hello. Yes. Don't touch anything. For some reason, resounds in your voice as you've got a roll stuffed half in your mouth. <laughs> uh, when you have stuffed yourself full of food to the point where you don't feel like you want to stuff yourself anymore, uh, you seem heartily fed and well drunk at this point. Um, and, uh, you see Escher is just sort of grown impatient, and he just sort of uh, lets out audible sighs every once in a while, wondering if you're ever going to finish. Um, and you can see Gertruda uh, is actually grown equally bored at this point, and it's just sort of her eyes are kind of looking all over the room, and she's kind of looking down her blouse and playing with her pendant and um, uh, just sort of tapping some food on her plate with a fork. It's still the leftover roll. I'm like, I'm sorry, is there a problem? <laughs> <laughs> Escher says, you are the master's guest. Why would there be a problem? <laughs> Oh, I'm getting vibes. <laughs> he says, perhaps we can put a plate together for you and have it delivered to your room. All right, let's do that. And uh, probably top me off. He, he stands up very quickly, pushes his chair back and says, come, I'll show you to your room. All right. Can I bring this? Yes, of course. Great. Uh, you see Gertrude uh, stand up as well, and uh, Escher says, you wait here. I'm sure the master will come and fetch you, or the chamberlain, or the servant, or whoever. <laughs> and she just sort of plops down in her chair and kind of sulks a bit. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then uh, you see Escher uh, extend his hand to yours. I can follow suit. <laughs> Shut down. All right. Uh, he will then lead you out of the dining hall. Uh, when you come back out, um, you're back in sort of this grand entry hall. There is, you see a statue standing in one corner alcove. Um, and uh, he will uh, lead you. Oh. Um, hmm, how is he gonna? What's the fastest way to get to your room here? Huh. Staircase, staircase, staircase. Yes, yes. So many staircases. Okay. Yes, and then he'll lead you um, kind of back up the staircase, uh, back to the room, toward the room where there's the lopsided wedding cake, but he doesn't lead you there. He continues up that spiral staircase, up, 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 um, higher than you've ever been in the castle before. And uh, at this point, um, it ends at a landing. And you can see uh, this landing has a stone flagstone floor. There is a carpet on the floor, which he tells you to mind. And he sort of sidesteps it. Okay. And there is a portrait on the far wall of the landing. And it appears to depict Strahd in a more, shall we say, alive time. There's color to his flesh and a certain um, uh, life to him. Ironic in a way. And this framed portrait uh, stands on a wall and uh, near a doorway with a doorway to its left and another spiral staircase heading up to its right. And from up that staircase, you can hear thunderstorm, the weather outside. So you know you're getting close to the top of the castle at this point. Uh, but Escher guides you past the portrait to the doorway, opens it before you. And as you walk toward the doorway, you notice that the portrait's eyes are following you. Great. <laughs> That's a cool old trick. I like that. He says, the master does like his tricks. Uh, and uh, he leads you into a room that uh, looks to you to be some sort of lounge. And as you enter, thunder shakes the tower and the heavy beams groan under the weight of the ceiling overhead. You see three ornate lanterns hanging from chains from these beams, each casting a dim glow. The curved west wall is fitted with three windows of leaded glass in steel latticework. A bookcase sits, or stands against the opposite wall, and uh, you see plush overstuffed chairs and couches placed about the room, their fabric faded with age, and uh, their patterns all but gone. And uh, uh, there's some couches and divans and other things too, but there is another door leading from this room. And when he opens it, it reveals a guest room with a large bed in the center. It's four corner posts supported by a black canopy trimmed with gold tassels. There are several more comfortable couches and divans about the room. And there is a banded door in the far wall that uh, might lead to a closet or some other chamber. But here, he says, is your room. Uh, there are no windows 
in this guest room. And uh, he says, uh, if you like, we can pass the time in the lounge or you can retire to your chamber. Yeah, I think I'm good here by myself. Thanks. I just <laughs> All right. You shut the door on his face as he's about to utter some other syllable, um, <laughs> silencing him. And you turn, and when you survey the room more closely, you see, yep, bed, divans, um, door on the far wall, which seems a little narrower than the one you just closed. Uh, and you hear the rumble of the storm outside, even through the, the hard stone walls. Um, but at the moment, nothing can get at you here. I do the I do the standard bed test, and I just leap onto it face first into the pillow. All right. Uh, it is very soft and comfortable. There's no dust here. The place has been kept very, very clean. Uh, and you face plant into the pillow. Just like, this works. <laughs> How long would you like to remain in that state? <laughs> I'll turn over yep. so we see the room. Okay. Uh, and are you basically just trying to kind of rest for a while? Is that it? Or just, are you going to yeah. stay awake is I guess what I'm asking. I'm going to, I don't think I'll sleep. I'll probably just like relax, but uh, keep an eye out if anything wants to happen. Yeah. Uh, there is a, uh, the only light in here is a candelabra on a small end table and it's got three candles in it and they start to burn down over time until they're just little nubs, little flickering nubs. And then sort of one by one, they kind of go out. And then you're in total darkness. <laughs> but you can hear the, the thunderstorm outside. So that's something. It's not totally dead silent, which is probably best. So is it like pitch black and all you can see are like the whites of my eyes just looking? Yes. <laughs> exactly. It's like... Make a perception check. <laughs> oh. It's going to be scary pants. Uh, 14. All right. Uh, uh, as the darkness falls upon the room and your, your eyes are the, <laughs> the only thing now visible, uh, you instantly feel like uh, another creature is present. Could I? Uh, how big is this room? So uh, this room was about 20 feet square. And there are two exits, one uh, leading to the lounge that you came through and one that you haven't uh, availed yourself of yet. Um, if I may, I would like to cast Fairy Fire to see if there's something in here that I can hide. <laughs> All right. Um, now, you're not casting it on anything specific, right? It's just an area, right? Yeah. yeah it's a you, cube, so. Area of the room. I should know how this spell works by now. Yes. So each object in, that, in this room is outlined in a colored light of your choice, blue, green, or violet. How about a nice little blue? All right. <laughs> 
And any creature in the area when the spell is cast is also outlined in the light if it fails a dexterity saving throw. So let's do that. All right. Okay. So you light up the entire room and you see uh, the bed lights up, the, the end table lights up, the divans light up, uh, the doorknobs light up, um, the rug lights up, and you appear to be alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least the room is lit. Sam. <laughs> <laughs> and will remain so for a while. Um, it'll remain so for up to one minute. <laughs> So I'm feeling I'm feeling like there's something else in here, even though I don't see anything. Yeah, the, the the that hackles on the back of your neck have sort of gone up. There's definitely a presence here. I'm going to. Can I just? Oh, go ahead. No, go on. Yeah. <laughs> Like, no, no, please. Uh, can I just uh, maybe, like, kind of, I'm going to kind of ready my uh, longsword just to be like, ah, I don't know how alone I am right now. So I just want to kind of be yeah. on guard. Uh, you gave your longsword to Emil. Just so. kidding. My, uh, <laughs> um. But you do have a rapier. Yeah, let's go with that. Okay. You keep your rapier clutched in your hands, uh, ready to draw at a moment's notice. Uh, it is that point that uh, something comes out from underneath your bed. It's always under the bed, man. Come on. No. You, see, you see a billowing mist seep out from under your bed and come up sort of all around you and begin to slowly coalesce. think my room might have a gas leak. And then you see the dark form of Strahd looming oh. above you as the mist transforms into the vampire. What? He was under your bed the whole time. Oh, oh no. Oh, I says, Have you made your choice? My Vistani guest. So... <laughs> I was hoping you'd showed up because I wanted to maybe chat details about this decision. And then I feel I might be ready. Maybe. End statement. <laughs> you are with me or you are with them. Right. I gathered that. So you want me to, uh, Oh, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, sir. What do you choose? So I'm assuming if I say I'm not with you, I, uh, I don't leave the situ situation alive, do I? You will be with them. Mm hmm Where are they? <laughs> <laughs> they are trapped under Mount Gacchus in the Amber Temple. And there they will remain until they rot. 
I suppose the uh, the digs of this temple aren't up to par with this guest room, are they? He says, I'm waiting. Stop, <laughs> <laughs> grows impatient. <laughs> it's like floating above you. Oh, <laughs> Well, uh, kind of, kind of got me up against the wall here, or I guess uh, on a bed. Which I mean, hey, but um, what what would you have me do if I were to uh, be aligned with you? If I'm if I may so ask, I just like to know the details of a job description before I mean anything. He says, "Can't believe you." <laughs> the Vistani here, they are my eyes, my ears. They come and they go, and they bring other people to my domain. Hmm. You would be my servant. You would do the same. Bring others, like your friends, to their doom. So you would want to bring my, uh, those who I was traveling with here. He says, to this cursed land, yes. For my amusement. Interesting. But then I feel like either way I'm going to this this temple that you stay at, apparently. If I would be... Am I retrieving them for you? Or are they... Uh, if you're with me, you'll never see your friends again. Oh, bummy. <laughs> but they are dead. Dead like... Like dead to you? Or like... He says, they have no escape. They will rot there. They are damned. Damn. Well, I just like look at him like, you want an answer now, don't you? I will broach no delays. You have tested my patience. And clearly, you would not tolerate any more stalling whatsoever. <laughs> he says, An ancient debt prevents me from just killing you. But I will show you no further charity. I just he says um, serve me uh, or perish with your friends. Hmm. 
He's just going to stall until Strahd dies. <laughs> just hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah. Uh... Hmm. Well, you got me. You got me in quite a pinch here, buddy. I uh, he grabs you by the throat hmm. and, and sort of chokes off your words. Uh, and you can feel instantly all the blood sort of uh, be uh, uh, denied to your your head uh, in that brief instant. It looks like you could just pop your head off like a dandelion if you wanted to. Uh, but he says, I was a king, a prince, a count, a general, a commander of great armies. You do not call me these words. They are an insult. Got it. Noted. And then he, you see he, he brings your face really close to his, almost, almost to a kiss. And you see uh, his fangs uh, are still red with the blood of whatever he drank earlier this evening. And he says, choose now. I'm like motioning. It's like, I, I can't. <laughs> he lets you go. <laughs> so, okay. All right. All right. Well, Clearly, I don't want to die in rot forever, so you don't leave me a lot of choice here. So let's... Uh, He's waiting for the words. I guess put me to work, boss. <gasps> and from so far away, a little piece of eating <laughs> chips off. <laughs> and she feels that something is terribly, terribly wrong. <laughs> Why? <laughs> she drops to her knees and prays for guidance, for she knows that a great darkness has entered her life and may never again leave it. No! <laughs> yes, yeah, so the three of you all just sort of get this sense that, that some... That some some uh, something has happened. Why? Oh, we're we're, we're back on us now. Camera camera yes. returns to us. Yes. I kind of like stagger to my knees in this treasure trove, and I'm like, "We've got to get out of here." I think Paulton really needs our help. Ugh. Well, hold on, hold on. I'm doing something. Uh, I run down there and I was like, "Don't touch anything." <laughs> yes, Strad guy is just uh Don't touch anything. <laughs> yep. And and Strix, when you get downstairs, you can see three large amber sarcophagi with black blots trapped inside of them, lodged in alcoves. You see six rotted wooden crates scattered about the floor, and you see the cracks in the wall where Dieth and Evelyn are currently. Um, Don't touch the crates. You didn't touch the crates, right? No. Ugh. Okay. Do you want me to touch the crates? No, 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 no. I can... Okay. Keep your hands to yourself. I've told you that many times. I'll keep my hands raised but, in prayer. I see anything in here? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm Gramps is on back it. upstairs. 
Uh, yes. So you're you're sort of uh, peering into a crack in the wall into another chamber. You seem to be uh, sort of at the back of an alcove in that, uh, or Dieth standing in the back of an alcove in that chamber, looking at piles of treasure. Oh, I'm mostly concerned slash enthralled by this whole invisible situation. Or yes. Weird warped light. Yeah. Uh, how how can I? tell like how much light is warped like how large this quote-unquote object could be? it's a large object bigger than you okay um you think it might be about mm, you're hard to say maybe 10 feet tall okay do you want me to look at it no i want you to stay right where you are okie dokie i'm going to uh reach into my belt take out a dagger flip around sort of reverse grip it and just yep. throw it into that invisible area just all right um, it instantly bounces off something big, and it sounds like your dagger striking like stone. Okay. And it clat- your dagger clatters to the floor in front of you. Almost bounces right back to your feet. Not was I, that what I was expecting, but all right. I'll retrieve said dagger. Okay. Uh, and then actually I'll, I'll actually use that same dagger to actually walk up and like poke it or scratch it or kind of move around see what, see what the heck going on here what are you doing just do you not see this oh he's gone barbie too this place has made him are you okay yeah just hold on all right uh so you sort of nudge around uh the alcove a bit poking this thing with your dagger yeah uh and as you're, as you're striking it, it's like you're striking something hard and immobile, like a almost like an invisible statue. Yeah. Uh, Strix, do you have any sort of ability to reveal invisible things, or can you see or sense what this is? Uh, I can try and I can try and guess, but I I don't have any uh, ability to. Uh, sense it but i can i can take a take a peek if you can let me look at it i can get up yeah. close and do an arcana check be careful oh you know i never am mm-hmm. all right so i guess i'll kind of squeeze in there with you and see if i can do an arcana check on whatever is in front of us yep okay whoopsie oh i rolled a 20 right. <laughs> nice all right um, as you uh, study it, it, it's clearly large, like about 10 feet tall, uh, a solid stone invisible statue. You think it's just got basically the equivalent of a greater invisibility spell cast upon it. Um, uh, but uh, in your sort of, it, it strikes you, it's it's not, un, you've heard about like things like golems and stuff like that. This could be something like that. And actually you see what appear to be little chips of amber on the floor. Ooh. I'm going to tell Dee all of that and say it might be a golem in our way. And it's it's definitely invisible. It's a spell. Someone has made it. We might be able to get a... Yeah, you think it's, you think it's given that it hasn't uh, been activated or hasn't done anything or triggered any sort of other spell effect... Obviously, this guardian is meant to be invisible and to announce its presence when something happens. I have a feeling that maybe if we touched this treasure or something, it needs to be activated by something. It's dormant right now. Right. As I said before, touch none of that. 
I got uh, my hands in the air. Evelyn? I'm just praying. <laughs> all right, all right. Just making sure. Uh, Dee, if I could turn you, I have one cloud left if you want to go check out what's in the room. Um, or we can go ask Gramps upstairs. Well. He can control the golem, so if this is another one of them, he might be able to control it. Well, we heard the words earlier. We could probably fake control it. I try to say it. Boogly, boogly. <laughs> Make an intelligence check. I'm like watching this like two trains gliding in the dark as she tries to read. <laughs> <laughs> I rolled a 19. Excellent. Uh, yeah, when you sort of utter the command word, uh, you the thing moves. Oh. Um, and Let's see. Um, just it moves just enough to announce its presence, uh, but doesn't actually leave the alcove. Do I? Th- that was the only words I remembered. Yes. I say move. Nothing happens. Evelyn, let's go up and get our good friend, Mister Mister Barmy Lich. He probably he remembers the words. He can control it. He just didn't know it's here because it's invisible. All right, but I, all right, I suppose. I just. I, I hope we, we won't piss him off that we're in this area because I don't know if we're supposed to be in here. Oh, he doesn't remember. It's fine. Barney! I go up the stairs like, you know how like a kid calls for their mom? Mom! And I'm like trumping up the yep. Barney! Okay. Uh, when you get up to upstairs to the library, you don't see any sign of him. Oh, great. Barney! I just, I guess I just go looking for him like oh, I don't no, trace no. our steps, kind of like not far though. Okay. Uh, Paulton, the vampire Strahd, uh moves uh, over to the door and throws it open uh, rather angrily, actually, and goes back out into the lounge and uh, uh, just sort of brushes past Escher, ignoring him completely. Uh, leaving Escher standing outside the door, just sort of staring at you and giving you this look like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, he says, he smiles at you with his fanged mouth and says, you chose wisely. <laughs> Escher's I hope over. So. <laughs> like, I hope so. And uh, he says, if you need me, I'll be right out here. <laughs> he, closes, he closes the door, and you're in darkness as your fairy fire goes out. And that's where we'll stop for tonight. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love that Paulton is so nonchalant about everything. He's just impossible to even, like, threaten or negotiate with. <laughs> I don't know. He seemed pretty scared. I was scared. <laughs> Yeah, so was like, oh man, he was with Strahd the whole time. <laughs> we didn't even have time to go back to the library. This whole werewolf curse thing is just like never going to end. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. Oh, it will end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <sighs> All right, so we'll, we'll pick things up next week. Uh, a couple quick announcements. Um, Force Gray, uh, the series uh, continued this week. Uh, this past or yesterday was the uh, uh, the final episode of the season, um, and uh, 
sort of helps set the stage for some events at PAX West. Speaking of uh, PAX West, we've got a live D&D Acquisitions Incorporated game happening there on the Sunday, the um, September 4th. Not only that, if you can't make it to the show, we will be uh, live streaming it and you can watch it at your neighborhood theater. Thanks to our partnership with Fathom Events, we've got a little over 300 theaters around the United States participating in this event. Uh, get your tickets now. They are on sale. Uh, uh, for those who have been keeping up on the Acquisitions Incorporated, the series, we have our next episode of that releasing tomorrow. That is also building up to the events at PAX West. Uh, you don't want to miss that. Big, big things are going to happen. Big, terrible, horrible things. <laughs> uh, and uh, in, a, in the coming week, uh, keep your eyeballs peeled uh, for the release of the animated introduction, the recap uh, that will be showing live at the uh, live D&D game at PAX West. Uh, that will prime you for um, the horrors to come. <laughs> so you guys got anything you want to talk about? We're A lot of us are going to be at PAX West, so yeah. we'll be there to watch you live. Yay! We'll be, yes. we'll be at PAX West as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'll be there too. Yay! I will be at PAX West. Uh, I'll be doing a sort of uh meetup thingy probably on that friday stay tuned for details my twitter will be the best way to find out that mm. i'll probably do one too at some point but i'm not sure when and also this weekend i'll be at palm springs comic-con so if you want to come hang out in the desert <laughs> favorite spooky place and come say hi yep miss clicks game tonight yes actually um our dm is sick but we're gonna do like a recap and q a Oh, very good. Uh, we are going to go live as soon as I can set up the stream from here. So it'll probably be in like, it should be at six like normal. And I'm going to be at PAX West at the Twitch booth um, on, on and off stage there the entire time. Um, so come say hi. All right. And I will uh, not be at PAX West. Uh, during that time, I'll actually be at San Japan in San Antonio, Texas. So it's more of an anime than gaming convention. So if you're in the area, go come say hi. All right. Sunny, sunny. Cool. And uh, yeah, right after this, I got my costume fitting for the PAX West Live Ooh. game. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. All right. And then we'll call that a wrap, guys. Thank you. Thank Yay. you. Everything was great. Everything's yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag thanks, Paulton. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of Dice Camera Action with Chris Perkins. Don't forget, Chris and the Waffle Crew broadcast live on twitch.tv slash dnd every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time. For more information on the Waffle Crew or Dice Camera Action, go to dnd.wizards.com slash dca or head to the Dice Camera Action wiki at dicecameraaction.gamepedia.com. Until next week, happy hunting. <laughs>